This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 133, The Falk Monster. The 1970s in Falk, Arkansas, were marked less by the passage of time than by the terror that stalked its woods. The Falk Monster, a creature of nightmares, became more than a myth. It was a truly harrowing reality for those who encountered it. Sightings began with the Johnsons, a family of five who lived on the outskirts of Falk. One crisp autumn evening, their youngest, Temmy, saw it first. A hulking figure draped in shadows with eyes that glowed like hellfire. Timmy's scream pierced the night, sending his family into a frenzy. They rushed to the windows just in time to see the creature vanish into the thicket. The local police found nothing but deep, unsettling, three-toed footprints and a child too terrified to sleep. But this was only the beginning. The sightings did not stop there. Old Man Harris, a skeptic, laughed at the tales until the night he encountered the beast. Driving home, his truck's headlights caught a figure crossing the road. The Falk monster stood there, towering, menacing, its matted fur dripping with swamp water. Harris slammed the brakes, heart hammering in his chest as the creature let out a guttural growl that seemed to vibrate his bones. It disappeared into the woods, leaving Harris to ponder his own disbelief. Soon after, a group of local high schoolers, daring and foolish, sought the creature, armed with nothing but flashlights and bravado. They trekked into the woods, laughing and joking, until a series of inhuman cries silenced them. Confidence quickly giving way to fear. The trees rustled violently as something large and unseen moved through them. They turned and fled, the monster's roars chasing them back to the safety of their homes. The following week, a group of hunters, led by the seasoned tracker known as Big Joe, decided to follow the kids' lead and hunt the beast. They ventured deep into the swamp, their guns ready. As night fell, the woods came alive with the sound of something moving stealthily. Big Joe, sensing that they were not the hunters, but the hunted, ordered a retreat. In the chaos, one hunter went missing. He was found at dawn, 
unharmed, but speechless with terror, his rifle bent and useless. The diner quickly became a hub for monster talk. People whispered about its origins. Was it a beast? A spirit? Or something far more sinister? The tales grew with each telling, each version more terrifying than the last. Then came the most chilling encounter of all. In the sweltering summer of 1971, in the dense, shadowy woods just outside Falk, the beast stirred. Bobby Ford, a young man with a rugged exterior, had just moved into a new house with his family, unaware that their dream home bordered a living nightmare. The house, old and creaking, sat isolated, surrounded by the dense thicket of forest. The first few nights were peaceful, a serene quiet blanketing the area, but that tranquility was deceptive. It was on the third night that the Fords heard it first. A guttural growl, like the earth itself groaning in pain, emanated from the woods. Bobby, always the brave one, decided to investigate. Armed with nothing but a flashlight and his waning courage, he ventured into the forest. The trees seemed to close in around him, their branches like twisted arms reaching out. The air was thick, heavy with the scent of wet earth and something foul he couldn't place. As he delved deeper, the growling grew louder, more ferocious. His flashlight's beam danced across the darkness, catching glimpses of something large, something moving with a terrifying, unnatural grace. His heart hammered in his chest, each beat a loud drum in the silent woods. Then, without warning, it appeared in the beam of his light. The monster. It was a beast of nightmares. Standing over seven feet tall, covered in dark, matted hair, its eyes, red and unblinking, bore into Bobby's soul. He stood frozen, the primal part of his brain screaming to run, but his legs refused to obey. The creature let out a blood-curdling roar, a sound so terrifying, so powerful it seemed to shake the very ground. Bobby finally found his legs and ran the monster hot on his heels. Branches whipped his face, roots tripped him, but fear propelled him forward. He could hear the creature's heavy footsteps, feel its hot breath on his neck. He barely made it back to the house. He slammed the door and locked it, panting. He leaned against the door, his entire body shaking. He told his family what he had seen, but Their skeptical faces quickly turned to horror as a loud thump echoed across the house, shaking the windows. The Falk monster was there, outside, wanting in. The family huddled together, fear gripping them as the creature circled the house, its heavy footsteps pounding in their chests. It scratched the doors, the windows, each sound a promise of the horror it could unleash. Hours passed, 
the night stretching on, a nightmare that seemed to have no end until, as suddenly as it begun, it stopped. The sun rose, casting light on a world that felt forever changed. The family, exhausted and terrified, ventured outside, tentatively. The ground was torn up deep gashes in the earth, the only proof of the night's horror. Bobby knew they couldn't stay. They packed up, leaving the house and the woods behind. But the memory of that night, of the Falk monster, would stay with them forever. As they drove away, Bobby looked back one last time at the house, and in the shadow of the trees... He thought he saw a pair of red eyes watching, waiting. The Falk monster was still out there, a part of the woods, a part of the town's lore. And for Bobby Ford, it would always be a part of his nightmares, a terrifying and unexplainable encounter with the unknown. Following a series of brief encounters in 1972, the spring of 1973 saw yet another terrifying run-in with this towering beast. The Thompson family, driving home one night, found their path blocked by a fallen tree. As Mr. Thompson got out to investigate, the Falk monster emerged from the woods. It was a scene straight out of a horror movie. The monster advancing, the family screaming inside the car. Mrs. Thompson, in a desperate bid to save her family, honked the horn incessantly. The sound seemed to disorient the creature, giving Mr. Thompson enough time to scramble back to the car and drive off at breakneck speed. The monster, once a whispered legend, had become a palpable terror. The townsfolk lived in a constant state of vigilance, their nights filled with unease. The creature was both everywhere and nowhere, its presence looming like a dark cloud over the town. But as suddenly as the sightings ramped up, they began to dwindle. The Falk monster seemed to have retreated back into the shadows of the forest, its existence slipping back into the realm of legend. Some said it died. Others believed it simply returned to wherever it came from. But for those who saw it, who felt its terror, the Falk monster was undeniably real. In August of 72, a low-budget film titled The Legend of Boggy Creek seeped into the American consciousness, casting a long, eerie shadow that stretched far beyond its rural Arkansas origins. This docudrama, crudely shot with a handheld camera, did more than just tell a story. It wove the fabric of a legend into the very soul of American horror folklore, influencing not just cinema, but the psyche of a nation. The film, directed by Charles B. Pierce, centered around the very beast in question. The film's genius lie not in special effects or horror tropes, but in its raw, pseudo-documentary style. It blurred the lines between reality and fiction, presenting interviews with real Falk residents who claimed to have encountered the beast. This approach lent an air of authenticity to the film, making the horror visceral 
and the monster, a figure heretofore residing in the realm of folklore, seemed strikingly real. Its impact on the horror genre was immediate and profound. It inspired a new wave of horror films that sought to emulate its blend of documentary-style storytelling with fictional horror elements. This approach would later be seen in cult classics like The Blair Witch Project, which similarly used a lo-fi aesthetic to create an atmosphere of genuine terror. Moreover, the legend of Boggy Creek tapped into a deeper, more primal vein in the American psyche. It played on the age-old fear of the unknown, of what lurks in the unexplored and untamed wilderness. In a rapidly modernizing world, it reminded people of the mysteries that still haunt the edges of our civilization. This resonated deeply with audiences, especially in rural communities where the line between the wild and the civilized was thinner. The film fueled a fascination with cryptozoology, specifically sparking a surge of interest in the Falk monster, with enthusiasts and skeptics alike flocking to Arkansas to catch a glimpse of the creature. A fascination that went beyond mere monster hunting. It was a quest for the unknown, a desire to touch a part of the world that remained unexplained. Culturally, this film became a symbol of the American South's folklore. It echoed the region's tradition for storytelling, where tales of ghosts, spirits, and monsters were passed down through generations. The film itself became a modern folktale, a piece of regional lore that was as much a part of Arkansas as the swampy woods of Falk. As the decades progressed from the fever pitch of the 1970s, the shadow of the monster in Arkansas began to recede, its presence fading like mist in the morning sun. The 1980s, 90s, and 2000s witnessed a gradual slowdown in sightings of this elusive creature, a shift that marked a curious evolution in the legend that had once gripped the town of Falk with fear and fascination. In the 80s, the ripples of the legend of Boggy Creek still echoed, but the torrent of sightings began to ebb. The Falk monster, once a nightly terror, became a sporadic visitor. Sightings, while still reported, carried less of the frenzied urgency of the previous decade. The beast, it seemed, had retreated deeper into the swamps and the collective unconscious. This slowdown might be attributed to the changing times, the world was becoming more digital, more skeptical. The wild, untamed mysteries of the past were increasingly viewed through the lens of science and reason, leaving little room for monsters of flesh and blood. The 90s saw a further decline in sightings. Falk, once a hub for monster hunters and the curious, slowly transformed back into a quiet rural town. The legend of the Falk monster though still a part of the town's identity, began to shift from a living terror to a quaint piece of local lore. Television specials and documentaries revisited the tale, but with a tone of nostalgia rather than alarm. The creature, if it existed, seemed content to remain hidden, a ghost in the swamp, glimpsed only in the corner of one's eye 
were in the fleeting shadows of the trees. By the 2000s, the folk monster had become a relic of a bygone era, a footnote in the vast catalog of American folklore. The digital age with smartphones and omnipresent cameras offered little evidence of the creature's existence. Sightings became rare, often dismissed as misidentifications or hoaxes. The monster which had once inspired terror and wonder was now largely the domain of cryptozoologists and full-blown fanatics, a mystery relegated to the fringes. This decline in sightings, however, did not erase the Falk monster from the cultural landscape. Instead, it added a new layer to its legend. The creature became a symbol of a fading past, a reminder of a time when the world was wilder, and the line between myth and reality was more blurred. It represented a longing for mystery in an age where few mysteries remained. The Falk monster also continued to influence the arts, inspiring filmmakers, writers, and artists. It became a metaphor in tales of environmentalism and the loss of natural habitats, a creature lost to the restless march of progress. It served as a cautionary tale about the cost of modernization, the wonders and terrors that are lost when the wilderness is tamed. In the end, the slowdown of sightings of the Falk monster mirrored the transformation of society itself. As the world became smaller, more connected, and better understood, there was less room for these creatures of yore. Yet its legend endures, displaying the undeniable power of folklore and the human fascination with the unknown. The Falk monster, whether real or imagined, remains a part of Arkansas's heritage, a shadow in the swamp that continues to capture the imagination, reminding us of the mysteries that once prowled the night and haunted our dreams. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. All right. All right. We're talking, we're talking Bigfoot again. Yeah. Yeah. Another, another cryptid, which, I mean, this is, uh, this is a classic for those that are familiar with just the Boggy Creek story, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and along Absolutely. with the, with the movie and the, sequels that came out that yeah apparently never never quite quite caught on so yeah not nearly as successful right but i mean of course for the time it was a very oh, it yeah. was very unique it was very like i mean it, yeah, it, was it set like the whole tone right exactly yeah and i think it was it was one of the reasons a lot of these sightings really caught on yeah i i also i have to mention in 2016 our friends at Small Town Monsters. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they did that did too. The Boggy Creek Monster movie, and that has some fucking stellar interviews with with witnesses. Like it's it's one of the best. It's not. It's definitely more straight documentary style, right? It's, yeah, which, it's not so much horror, but I mean, it, like, it's damn good. The original the original film was what kind of like a mix of it's like a Blair Witch style and, right yeah yeah and then yeah. they tried it was more to do, like a found footage monster movie with interviews to cut in 
Right, and then uh, the same director that did that one did the the second second sequel or whatever, which was a direct sequel yep. that was like an actual straight up horror movie that yeah got really 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 bad numbers. Yeah, not great, not great at all. I think I remember watching that on Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, that was. I think that's yep. where I saw it. Yeah, it's yeah. I don't I don't even know if I made it through it, but you know the original one. I, I can say the original one is, to this day, watchable. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not a big horror guy, but I I found I found it really interesting. It's still good. Like, it's prime early 70s horror mixed with a lot of the things we sort of take for granted now with, like, found footage stuff. Yeah. That wasn't around then, you know? That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, I really dig the whole found footage style of horror these days i mean yeah especially if it's done properly it can be it can be really good yeah but yeah, a lot I of mean, it just falls really really short and, yeah you know, the problem is, is the i mean it's a good thing and a bad thing with that the found footage genre there's really no barrier to entry yeah you know what i mean especially now with iphones and stuff like you don't even everyone has a camera that could make the next great found footage movie I mean, there's literally been films that have been done on an iPhone camera. Yeah, exactly. So, I, you know, even if you're not making, like, a full-on movie and you're doing it, like, found footage style, it's even better. Like, even easier. Yeah, yeah. And, like I said, that's a good thing and a bad thing because, while it's good because we're, you know, we're hearing lots of voices. We're getting lots of people making these movies. Right. So there's, there's no, like, they don't have to go impress a production company with a pitch and get through all those gatekeepers to make a, a movie. The downside to that is we get lots of shitty found footage movies. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean that's fair. Yeah, there there are a lot of them out there. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta know. you gotta pick your diamonds from the rough. You know, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I I think our our biggest heavy hitters that kind of helped to start that whole thing were obviously like the Blair Witch Project. I think is probably. Yep. By far the most well-known, you know, at the time. Yeah. Another an- another big, I would say, I don't what was the what was the the horror movie about the like zombie infection that was found footage that was really big. What was that called? You remember? The zombie infection. It's very dark. Yeah, they're they're like trapped in a building with them. It got like really big. It did really huh. well. It might have been a remake of a Japanese one also oh yeah was it was it quarantine or was it uh like rec or whatever it was um yeah, yeah so you gotta quarantine was yeah i'm gonna have to it was 2008 yeah uh remake yeah. of yeah it was of, of record yeah that's what it was yeah yep or okay. rec whatever yeah, i had it right then and of course cloverfield was another huge and cloverfield was a, was that, a massive yeah. one yeah yeah it was fucking excellent i i loved cloverfield. i thoroughly enjoyed it as well but there's a lot of people that really did not like it, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I know. But I, know. I, I really did. Yeah. I dug it a lot. Yeah, I liked it too. And I really liked the sequel with the fucking with uh, John Goodman. Yeah, the, the uh, uh, Cloverfield Lane. The, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, that one was good too. That one that was excellent. Also, I mean, anything with John Goodman is going to be incredible, anyways. Of course, dude, of was course. brilliant. Um, he has really impressed me, especially in the last like. 20 15 to 20 years him like really dipping into it sounds funny that just made me feel really old to say like you know in like the last 15 20 years yeah. like it's not that much time 
<laughs> but like it doesn't him his showings in the like horror genre have been incredible, yeah. dude. Like Red State is still I one was of my, gonna it's say, probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie. It's yeah, a fan fan, uh, absolutely fantastic movie. But also yeah. just yeah. twisted as can be. Oh yeah, absolutely. Which, Does that mean you it's know, legit? That's what you want in a movie like that. So yeah, absolutely legit. Yeah, felt way way too real at times. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah, I was just looking uh, just at some of the some of the other kind of bigger found footage style movies that I've I've personally loved, which I know I've talked about on a couple occasions, which has been uh, the House is October Built, which is probably one of my all time oh, yeah, yeah. favorites. That and then the, uh, is that the, the Hell one House with... franchise as well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, the Hell House. That's the one where, where they do the, um, the like, haunted houses. Yeah, the, like, so, yeah well, is that Hell Houses, they, uh, they bought um, the Abaddon Hotel, which I believe was in New York. And yep. they're like, it's a group that used to put on a haunted house. And then now they, they finally moved and they bought this place that's known and notorious for being haunted. Gotcha. And so they decide that they're going to put a haunt on it in like a you know a well-known haunted haunted place, and then shit actually starts yeah. to happen, and of course people die, and you know. All right. So is the house is October built? Is that more about people? Is that yeah, the one that's about that's people the one about who go the from haunt that, to haunt? Yep they they are the group that goes okay. from the different haunts and stuff, and then they're in the search of the uh, blue skeleton crew uh, because they gotcha. they're looking for the next best extreme haunt. Right. Okay. And so and cool, oh, cool. just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so we we Outside. have to we have to talk found footage <laughs> movies because yeah, because I mean that's a huge part of the story of this monster right. is that that film. Yeah, you know? true. Um, because I think you're right. You said earlier, like I think that movie had a lot to do with why it why it caught on. Right. Why it, I know like, that it became a national phenomenon. There's claimed sightings, of course, that span from even like the early 1900s. But I feel like the oh, yeah. majority yep. of them really hit after after that movie came out. So, I mean, people were out yep. looking for it. You know, people were people were constantly on on watch and yeah, it really set people. It, it like it set people ablaze with the story. Yeah, like. I think it was it was like a local legend and sort of people just thought about it like a local legend, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when the movie came out, yeah, it, it really caught on. It just added this, like that monster is like flame that was already you know already there, but like Yep. Yeah. Made it huge. Yeah. It was just embers before that, mm-hmm. for sure. Um now the Falcon Monster is generally considered uh, a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch type creature, right? Right. But this is not your like Pacific Northwest Bigfoot. It's more in the vein of like the Honey Island Swamp Monster and Momo and the Skunk Ape. Right. It's like a swamp dweller. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I think gross, smelly. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Matted fur and mm-hmm. three three toes. A lot of the tracks were three toed. It's just like the Honey Island Swamp Monster and the Skunk Ape. They see all the time. Yeah, three toes. That's I don't know, man. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. It's, I I like those are my favorite Bigfoot stories are from the South. Those like nasty swamp dweller Bigfoots. Yeah, they're my favorite. The big feet. Yeah, they're much scarier. <laughs> the Bigfoots. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like they have they have more of like a horror tinge to them. It's their the encounters are scarier. I mean, it yeah, might just be setting. It makes them less. I mean, you you think of apes and you think 
you know, I mean, there's there's something somewhat human-like to them. Yeah. You know, obviously, uh, through evolution and everything, and yeah, with uh, to see something like that makes it more monstrous. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, it kind of just, I don't know, at least for me, you know, that's the way I see it. Yeah. No, it's like, it's a monster version. Because when you think of the, like, Pacific Northwest Bigfoot, the sort of, like, um, the sort of, like, cuddly giant in the woods that it's become mm-hmm. over the years, it's, that is not how you envision, like, the Falk monster. Like, no glowing red eyes, matted fur, like, creeping up out of the swamp with its weird three-toed feet. And, like, it's much more monstrous. I mean, yeah, it's gnarly. Yeah. Like you see you see that versus I don't know traditional Bigfoot. I I think I'd find that a bit more frightening. Absolutely. Easily, right? It's which I think I don't know, I'm always drawn to those stories over the the nice Bigfoot stories. Yeah. I mean, unless, what, in the last couple of years some Oh god. I was going to say unless it's a portal unless hopping what? Bigfoot and then, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's number I'm 1. I'm always there for it. <laughs> yeah. In the last few years, some, like, pretty fucking horrific stories about Alaskan Bigfoot has come out. Apparently, that one's pretty fucking... Those stories are aggressive. Yeah, I could see that. straight up attacks. Yeah. Which, you know, you could think of it like a brown bear versus a polar bear, right? Polar bears are, like, way more aggressive because resources are more scarce, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's absolutely fair. I think it would be the opposite, though, with the southern... Well, I think the setting has a lot to do with why they're so I much... I think so, too. They're I depicted so too. as scarier, because what's scarier than a fucking middle-of-nowhere swamp? Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh... You're constantly waiting for something to kill you. In in the story, we have the we have that one family. Was it the, the Thompson family or the Johnson family? Whatever it was, uh, that had moved into the new house, um... It was what in summer of nineteen seventy one. Seventy one. Bobby yep. Ford. That's who it was. Yep. Yeah, he and his family moving into this house that's basically out in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by a forest. And I mean, you know, like it's just it's literally the setting of a horror movie. Yeah. And I've, so I think that's, and I've never been, dude. I've never been more proud of a protagonist in a in a story that we've covered than I am of this fucking this dude. He was. They were in that house for less than a week. Right. Yeah. But I mean, also like this, like this shit off, too. and they're like, "Nope." He goes out yeah. there and just like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out." I mean, if I'm hearing growling and stuff, like, no, I'm, you know, I'm just gonna leave it alone. Yeah, I'm not walking toward the growls. Right. But yeah, they didn't stay there. So long. Hats off to him. So that no, I, as that's soon as the, impressive. They spent one night being terrorized from the outside of that house, and they were like, "Nope, we're done. That's enough for us." Yeah, that scene gave me the uh, vibes from the the Ozark one as well. Oh yeah, Ozark Howler. Yep, very similar. It's that's they such a scary like. It, so that's good, but it is. Imagine though they're they're out there in the middle of nowhere, no phone, no phone. Yeah, they're just out there, and this fucking enormous beast that he just spotted on his like with his flashlight, so he knows what it is. And they're trapped in this house as this thing scrapes at the walls and pounds on the sides of the house, growling. Not knowing for sure if it's going to be able to find its way in. Yeah. All night. Right. That's horrifying. Yeah. That's the scene of a horror movie. It is. I mean, that would be like literally like the start of a terrifying movie. 
like an opening scene. Yeah. Or also when, you know, things get heated, obviously. But I just love to see a movie start out like that. Yeah, with the the action going on immediately. Yep. And the whole family is eating, and then it moves on to like 10 years later. Yeah. (laughs) 10 years later. New family moves in. Oh, man. B still stirs and is still hungry. Actually, I'm going to put that idea in my pocket for opening (laughs) with a fucking what should be the climax of a story. Exactly. Opening with it. I dig that a lot. I like that. Yeah. So, like you said, there have been reports for a long time. Like, the earliest... This is on folkmonster.net, which is a whole the whole website decided or de, um, dedicated. Yeah. Which is a whole the website dedicated, dedicated to the folk monster. Yeah, exactly. So the earliest that they have is in 1908. So that one, Falk resident Willie Smith claimed his sister saw the creature around 1908 when she was 10 years old at the south end of Mercer Bayou. Yeah. That's that's the earliest the earliest account. And, and they go all the way up to 2021 is the most recent sighting. Yeah. That they have listed, of course. I'm sure there there may be more resources out the more people talking out there, but in um 2021 there were two sightings. A witness reports seeing a hairy ape-like creature run across a county road during daylight hours, but he described it as looking like a like an oversized orangutan with reddish hair. Hmm. So maybe that's just the daylight hours, maybe it, you know, it always had red hair, but it was maybe. usually matted and dark and you know what I mean? Yeah. And then a few a few days later, um a researcher, a biologist in the area sees what appears to be a large red animal move through the woods near Mercer Bayou. Again, daylight hours. So two completely separate entities, un, you know, unknowing of each other, reported seeing a giant red something. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, and this is right there. That would make sense. I mean, it, it would make a lot of sense, obviously. Maybe uh, maybe he was a bit more clean, a little less matted, not so, you know, yeah, muddy looking from, you know, being in the swamp or whatever else. I mean, who knows, right? But yeah, maybe it does actually have red hair Yeah, that just I mean, often looks a little bit darker. Yeah, it could be. It's, um, I don't know, it's, maybe, maybe it is, maybe it really was just like, because I know the, the American South is full of these um, labs, right? Where they do random animal testing and stuff like that. The, I mean, yeah. Maybe this is the result of some escaped fucking orangutans. Maybe. Out there living in the wild. Yeah. Maybe there's like a tiny breeding population of orangutan out there in the American <laughs> South. That would... <laughs> that'd be pretty cool, but that would also be super weird to just come, like, come upon. Yeah, for sure. Especially orangutans are not generally aggressive. I would feel yeah. Like I was, you have to. I was gonna say I'd feel like they would have gotten. They would have been caught by now. Yeah. With reports think, and people right? going out there, because I mean, somebody's bound to find it. You know, find it or them or whatever. You know, how many whatever there were. Yeah. yeah. I think that'd be a lot easier to find than this this monster like Sasquatch thing. Yeah. Now here's a question we always have with Bigfoot stories. What I mean is this like a hundred and twenty year old monster or just or do you think there's like a a breeding population of them see myself i always like to think that there's a family there's a family somewhere yeah um maybe they they live hollow earth and they come out when they need to sure um but yeah i I don't think it's like one that's like 
lived that long. I, I, I think it's like, he's probably a newborn out there just you know, you trying, so? to, trying to you know, get his legs. Maybe they have red fur when they're young, and it Maybe. darkens over time. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe the oversized orangutan was was actually just a you know just a young young like a youngster. You know, maybe he was yeah in his in his teens or less, just out there getting it. And maybe they're not like <laughs> could be. Maybe, maybe they're not like very uh, you know mean until they get older. Yeah, or until they're, people yeah. like you know come up on their turf. I like the and, idea of like. I like the idea of Papa Falk Monster like getting home and like hanging his hat up after a long day of scaring the shit out of people. Right. <laughs> like Mom just leans yeah, down yeah. to rub his feet. Yeah, exactly. And the kids want to show him with her, you know, their their test scores or something. Their, <laughs> yeah, their science fair exactly. projects. Leave it to Bigfoot. Yep. Yeah. I like it. Why has no one made that show? Right. I'd watch it. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Oh man, it's no. I want that. It's show. weird, right? It's I'm. <laughs> yeah, it is weird yeah, though. I, I mean, would, I mean, I would, go ahead, sir. I just like it's weird because when you cover Bigfoot, it's like any of any of these. The big question, of course, is like, is this a flesh and blood monster at all? Right. I mean, like this, I would think would probably be more flesh and blood. You think so? Yeah. I mean, if if we're going with this is this is real, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I'd say it's flesh and blood. I mean, I wouldn't think there'd be anything more to it. I think it's just you know adaptation at its finest, and I think that there's you know just okay. a, a hidden population, like small population of them. But I mean, who's hmm. I, I don't know where I where exactly I stand with it. A hundred percent buying the story. I think honestly, I think the movie made it what it is, and. Yeah, I think all the previous reports, other than uh, I was reading on one on that same site, and there was one from 1941 where uh, I think it was two guys were fishing, and he like comes up and steals their fish right off the right off the pole, yep. or right off the line, and then walks away with it. Yeah, you know. So I mean, I think there's like silly, you know, like silly one-offs that um, you know, are just tales, but I think a lot of it's there's, just based. You're always off gonna of, have those, right? Right, of course. But yeah, I think yep. a lot of it's just based off of the movie. You know, and it's starting like a, a frenzy, basically. See, that's the thing is like, there's such like a long history. And yes, the 70s were like the peak, but that they've really never slowed down. Like, I mean, yeah. what what yeah. chilled after the 70s was the frenzy about it. Like right. people were actually up in arms and scared and that faded over time. But like, there are a shitload of reports over the years. Just like Bigfoot everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, they don't ever really slow down. People just keep seeing them. I think a lot of a lot of it is, when, especially when you're in the forest, uh, with, like, dim lighting, uh, minimal visibility, if you will. Um, you know, nature. Just nature catching, catching glimpses of things that your mind immediately jumps to the most horrifying thing it can. Yeah. And it's just... I think it's all tricks of lighting and, you know, but I I don't know. I can't say all of it is. There's got to be something, something to some of these, right? For them to be so. Yeah. I mean, there to be so many different types and so many different sightings. Like there's bound to be something out there. I mean, it's persistent, right? Exactly. I think that's the word for it. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't ever go away. And like we've said from the beginning of the show, like, the whole point of folklore is that 
it's it started somewhere, yeah, right? Exactly. With some shred of reality. Even if that reality is like the woods are really fucking dangerous and we have to create a boogeyman to keep the kids out, mm-hmm. right? Like, even if that's the root of it, like, there's still something scary in those woods, you know what I but, mean? Right, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But sometimes... The question is, what is it? Exactly. And sometimes at the end of the day, I, I can't help but think that it is just a story. I think, I mean, and I think two, two Bigfoots can exist, right? Like, there is the lore version of Bigfoot. Right. Right? There's the, the myth that we've created over centuries, starting with, you know, indigenous peoples and their versions of of these forest creatures. Mm-hmm. These, like, upright, upright. But, like, there's that version and... Maybe we do find like a relic hominid or uh, an undiscovered primate, something like. I don't think it would look anything like the Bigfoot we've created over the centuries. I, you know I mean, what I mean? I don't know. I'd, I'd say it's hard. It's hard to say for sure. I could see it being somewhat similar. You know, at least having some like I mean, sinister, similar characteristics and things like that. Sure, as like two apes are want exactly to do, right to have similar, mm-hmm. but like. Like you said earlier, portal hopping, there's fucking, you know what I mean? Like so much has been added yeah. to the mythos of the Sasquatch that like that, that it's, uh, it's almost it's separate entity. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that probably translates to the Falk monster as well. It's probably whatever freaked people the fuck out enough to tell these horrifying stories a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. I think is probably something very different than what has been you know created as the falc monster yeah that we know today i mean yeah it's it again it's hard to say like maybe it's like just some some cougar or something that was like jumping and climbing up on a tree and then somebody sees it as like this yeah two-legged beast and all of a sudden it turns into this ape-like thing yeah and then it just keeps going yep. or it could have been like a species of bear that was around back yep. then and got exactly. you know slowly died off and yeah it could have been anything it could have been a fucking hominid. It could have. It could have been true. A primate that that died out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's where, like I alluded to in the story, that it's been used as like an environmentalist story, right? Like this. This is something that we've lost by destroying habitat. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Know? Yeah, I mean, I'd, that could be the case here for sure. It could just be. It started as some hairy man that lived out in the woods. Somebody saw he was all covered in mud, whatever else. Yep. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really could. A lo- I mean, a lot of right. these, if, if, if you go back to the, like, um, to the 20s and 30s, you have all these wild man, quote unquote, wild man stories that have been slowly adopted by the Bigfoot community as Bigfoot stories. Yep. But, like, they ignore the fact that a lot of these sightings, they were wearing, like, torn up flannel shirts and like why can't Bigfoot throw on his evening attire exactly maybe he's out hunting he puts on his hunting gear (laughs) could be (laughs) could be you'd have to have a giant ass pair of cowboy boots i'm just saying yeah maybe he maybe well the tracks that we see are actually his boots (laughs) yeah it could be the boots that he's wearing it's 
I'm just saying, like, I think a lot of the Bigfoot legend comes from people who separated themselves from society, right? Yeah. And went out on their own, and they became these, like, wild men. Absolutely, uh, yeah. I, like, I definitely agree with that, for sure. Especially if you consider the fact that a lot of the native legends about these talk about them like they're another people, another group of people. Right. Right? Like, you look at, like, the Nahani River Valley, all those stories, it was literally, they were called the Dene, they were the other people Mm -hmm. right that lived up in the mountains and they would come down and raid their camps and shit and like i think a lot i think a lot of the bigfoot legend comes from stories like that yeah and they're just outsiders maybe a feral you know maybe you've turned feral by that point and yeah yep i honestly i will tell you no go ahead tell me i was gonna say i'm really fucking excited for friday's episode yeah you think we're gonna get the answers we need i dude i don't know i've like I've done a lot of I've done a lot of projects with with Carly, but I've never mm-hmm. I've never seen her draw tarot cards on a Bigfoot before. I'm 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 looking forward so, to I, it. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm curious I'm to, see to see what, what uh, you know what we can uncover because I mean you know as we talked about in the past you know maybe maybe Bigfoot is literally another like an alien race or something like that. Yeah, you know they're yep. part of our star nations. So. Yep. Some that live here, and of course we have our portal hopping. So you know, like I mean, that's yeah. that's what I you know that's what I like to buy, even though it's extremely far fetched and out there. But it sounds way cooler than sure. just this guy living up in the forest. Yeah, I'm. I mean, my my theory is probably just as woo woo and crazy as yours, which is just that this is another finger on the same hand as a poltergeist or an alien abduction or yeah i think they they're all just different manifestations of the same phenomena well i don't know if it's the same phenomena but it's similar i think it's the same source i think, think so? it depends on what you yeah i think it's what you need to see in the moment see, is I, what you see to get I the think message that's just kind of a load of shit you think so? But that's where we're different. Says so. someone who was just talking about Star Nations 30 <laughs> seconds ago. <laughs> but again, that's what I need to see. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're not allowed to think that way. No. No, I'm just kidding. No, see, that's oh, the beauty man. about Bigfoot. Everyone's entitled yeah. to whatever they want to believe or think that it, he, yep. they, whatever their pronouns may be. We're all inclusive sure. here. Um, that's right. You know, so whatever it is or whatever they want it to be, you have that ability. It's, it's whatever, yeah. you know, whatever helps you make sense of this. Yeah. I mean, that inclusion goes to the entire Bigfoot community. I mean, yeah, this debate gets, this debate gets heated, but like, if you're a true blue flesh and blood Bigfoot guy, we love you just as much as if you're into like the portal hopping stories right. and you think it's a ghost or a or a fucking forest spirit it's we love all the theories yeah all of them so whatever horse you're backing we're right there with you yeah maybe not on the same yeah. not on the same back of that same horse but we're riding yeah. along with you pushing you along <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just saying like i a lot of people get pissy about oh, i know it. Like, and, which is silly but, which is silly i mean yeah again it's you know, I, I think especially the thing about like talking about cryptids or talking about ghosts or aliens or anything else that you want to lump together um, is again it's it's whatever you choose to make it as I think is doesn't make it less than what someone else you know thinks that it is. 
yeah. outside of those people yeah. that don't Absolutely. you know choose to believe anything at all and you know think people are ignorant for it and that's just ignorance <laughs> yeah it is it is because you're just discounting the cultural impact of all this stuff which is exactly isn't at all scientific so you're kind of just fucking yourself over there if you're like i'm i'm all science <laughs> i don't believe any of this stuff well it doesn't matter if you believe it. You exist in a culture where a lot of fucking people believe it. So mm-hmm. it has a cultural impact that you need that needs to be considered. Agreed. Agreed. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, if you're like uh if you're super into the like biology of this, of like cryptozoology from from a zoological standpoint, that's awesome. I love talking to those people. Like I'm fascinated by by some of the shit that you know, I'll listen to you know, Dr. Jeff, um, Jeff Landrum talk for fuck. I've talked, I've listened to him talk for hours about like footprints. I mean, yeah, just fucking footprints and like the heights of arches and shit. Like, like that shit is fascinating. I agree. I mean, at the same time, it's it's awesome. I like, you know, I like being able to see it from that, that side of it. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's fascinating for sure. Cause I don't, I don't happen to look at it like that. Yeah. Me neither that's that's what's why it's so interesting right mm-hmm. to to drop yourself into a different perspective because at the same time if you're someone who goes out in the forest and you leave you know you leave an offering and burn some incense and say a prayer and you believe that that will make it more likely for you to encounter a, a bigfoot while you're out there that's a normal that's tuesday fucking awesome for me. too <laughs> exactly <laughs> You're always out there sitting crisscross applesauce in the forest. You best believe it. Just waiting, waiting for Bigfoot to stroll up. Bigfoot, any of his friends yep. there, it, whatever. Any of their friends. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how tarot crosses. Yeah. I, all this. I know. It's going to be interesting. It is. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun just, just to see what, what comes up or what we can, what we can get. Because if it's like, Yeah. Bigfoot's just all flesh and blood, and you best believe nothing else, and this is, you know, what's going on. And it's going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm also just really excited to pick Carly's brain about it, too, and see, like, how she sees it. Yeah. How how the tarot cards could... Because I have to imagine that if you believe you could communicate with these beings or get information uh-huh. from or about these beings through divination... I was going to say that that would that would exclude the idea that they're just flesh and blood creatures, but divination gives you information about human beings too. Right. But, you know, a lot of people you know think I mean? that so, they communicate telepathically as well. Yeah, exactly. So it could go way far mm-hmm. or way beyond that. Yeah. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. Yeah. Same. Um there, I mean there isn't there isn't a whole lot. I recommend going to falkmonster.net and reading some of these sightings cuz they're are hundreds there's tons tons and it's all based off of uh what was his name lyle uh lyle blackburn's lyle black research yeah. and everything so yep yeah he um i believe he co-directed or co-produced he did something with that small town monsters movie he was a big part of that movie also he's also released so. several books on cases and different things like that too so if you really want to deep oh, yeah. dive into the Falk monster or the boggy creek monster or whatever you want to refer to him do yourself a favor yeah yeah lyle's the guy for it for sure he's he's one of the one of the guys still digging into it so i mean 
we say this in almost every Bigfoot story, but like this is one of those few spots where you look at it and you're like, yeah, something could be in there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the the landscape is perfect for it. Yeah, absolutely. For something to be hidden. It's, you know, I mean, there's something about like deep, dense forests. Like even when we talked about uh, like Jersey Devil and the area and uh, that forest yep. around New Jersey. Barrens. Yeah, the Pine Barrens. Like yeah. that whole area. I mean, there's something. There's something there. Yeah, absolutely. Those woods are fucking terrifying, yeah. dude. The, and there's a lot more stuff that comes out than me. Yeah, and even even anything related to the Jersey Devil. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of these, and especially like Pacific Northwest area, like all of that, just vast, yep. like just vast forest areas. There's there's you know. Yeah. Like I, I, I would think there's something there, whether it's you know 100. percent We're talking again, flesh and blood, or if it's just something that's magical or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. Some ancient fuckery. Something. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have like, if you're talking the Pacific Northwest, I mean, you're talking about like hundreds of thousands of acres yeah. of unsettled land, like. No one can tell me that there's definitely nothing in there that we haven't documented. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way. You can't, I mean, you can't, that's like saying there there definitely aren't a, other other species in, out in space. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's too big for you to be able to say that with any level of certainty. Same with the ocean, right? People mm-hmm. are like, no, there's nothing weird down there. Bullshit, there's nothing weird down there. Hey, there's an area, we can't even get like, to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Yep. You've seen you've seen what happens exactly. when people try <laughs> too yeah. soon, maybe. Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh man. <laughs> wow. Insensitive. Oh man. That was like two years ago or something. That was right? like last year, I think. Was it? I'm pretty sure it was last year. Well, forgive me, the last four years feel like six months. I I I'll give you that. I'll oh. give you that. Yeah. But still, regardless, I mean, that just furthers yeah yeah you know our defense here yeah. like you you, it's, you we can't even get that far like yeah i mean yeah it's just it's it, it would be insane to think of what's what's possibly down there and more insane to think that you could possibly know right what's down there you know what i mean it's, like to say it was a flat earther for me yeah right it's true yeah because you're just discounting the majesty of our world you know what i mean like you're underestimating the possibilities that Earth has. Right. It, yeah. Which is just a fucking bummer. Don't be a loser. <laughs> you know you heard I mean? it here. Like, get your people. shit together. Exactly. Yeah. Get your shit together. Don't be ignorant. Be willing yeah, to accept that there are many, many, many things out there that we will probably never know within our lifetime. And we have yeah. to accept that. I, you have to accept the fact that you could live 10 lifetimes in a row and there's no way you're going to understand the world we live in. Exactly. It's impossible. Just enjoy the little piece you get. Ride it out. Enjoy that ride. Yeah, and dream about monsters because they're fucking cool. Why not? Exactly. I dream. I dream I don't about care if they're real or not. The so. yeah. Same. That's what we're here doing. Dreaming about monsters. So be like us. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy those nightmares. Well, that concludes episode one thirty three, the Falk Monster. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. 
We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At Campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time, I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers, stay weird and trust in the unknown. unknown.